Business is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, top of the day to everyone. If you want to be successful in writing today, some authors just think, oh, I'm only a fiction writer. Others think I'm only a nonfiction writer. Some, I only write for kids. I only do children's. I only fill in the blank. And the reality is there's a lot of cross-purposing going on and crossover is happening. And one of the hottest new fields in publishing today is something called flash fiction, which is, which is an area we're going to dive into a little bit. What is it? How do you do it? How can I morph what I have into something like this? In the recent stats that came out for books that were being sold, the big jumping that's happening um, from book sales for last year, the fantasy fiction, flash fiction, graphic novels were all huge leaps in what's getting the public's attention. And it's really no surprise when you think about the way people uh, entertain themselves, when you, they think about the way they look at television, where the channel surfing um, hop around from station to station. There's there's reasons why you want to think as an author, well, how can I take what I do and put it into a shorter, concise, tighter, uh, more sometimes more imaginative format? So with us is Mara Pearl, who herself has written both in the fiction and nonfiction arena. And she is the author of the multi, multi-award winning and best-selling books that come from the Milton Haver, Haven Publishing, and that her, her I'm going to have her talk about, because I always think of them as the heart series, but as the as she talks about how she's developed her, her own book, she has been a broadcaster, a, a highly touted uh, serial broadcaster on the BBC with her fiction series, which really morphed into her um, own fiction line that has sold very well in the United States. So with that, let's just jump into it because one of the things that she says is good writing has to grab the reader immediately, then draw them into the world the author's created. It may seem that it just takes talent to accomplish this, but that, that is a myth sometimes. What it really takes is also skill. You can't teach talent but we can teach skills. So that's what we're going to do today. Mara Pearl is going to tell us all about that skill development. Before she wrote and produced a hit show radio drama for the BBC, before that she was a successful journalist. She'll be presenting an interactive flash fiction session at the Author U Extravaganza um, in, on May 7th in Denver, Colorado, something you don't want to miss. So with this, just jump in. We don't have uh, these hours go very fast, and I want to bring Mara on right away. Hi, Mara. How are you? Wonderful. Hi, Judith. Thanks so much for having me. 
You know what? Before we um, jump in, why don't you give the titles of a couple of your books that they can get readily, our listeners, in libraries and any bookstore? What the Heart Knows is book one of the Milford Haven novel series. Mm-hmm. And book two is Where the Heart Lives. So you were exactly right when you said you think of them as the Heart series. The book I'm writing now is called Why Hearts Keep Secrets. So I'm doing well, a series of five books. It's a pentology, and mm-hmm. it's a multi-genre. It's women's fiction, but it also is a mystery series, and it also is a romantic series. Yeah. And I like them. You know, for all our, I, I've read them. I like them. And, and Mara does a really nice, uh, uh, tease when she's coming out with a new book because she will create a prequel that, that is she, uh, often Mara, you give those as a, as a freebie giveaway in your ebook line to, to introduce the book. Is that not correct? Or am I wrong? I on do. That? Yes. Mm-hmm. The, and the publishers have told me that I was one of the first to do that. Yeah. I write a standalone short story that is a prequel to the upcoming novel. So it gives people a chance to test something to see if they're enjoying that world. The the actual storyline concludes because, frankly, my novels can be a little bit maddening. It is serial fiction. So some storylines conclude and some do not at the end of each novel. Oh, I know, because I remember after I read the first one, I called you and I said, okay, so <laughs> I ran to get her Hi, I mean, what happens? And she, I know, said, I know. and she said, you'll have to wait for the next book. Yes, so oh. sorry. Yeah, I learned that from Louis L'Amour. You know, I had bought one of Louis's books, and there was actually a repeated section of pages. So the ending of the book wasn't in the book that I had purchased. And I called him. I said, Louie, I can't stand it. You have to tell me what happened. He said, I'm so sorry, dear. You'll just have to go out and get a different copy. <laughs> no, we should, we, we, thought, should tell, yeah. Yeah, we should tell our listeners that Louis L'Amour was one of your mentors. <laughs> he was. He was. Two, a man, yeah. fantastic writer and extraordinary man. Yep. Yeah. That, too bad. I wish we all could have that kind of uh, little little voice in our ear. All right, so let's just jump into this. Um, you talk about there's five critical elements um, and things that I know that you're going to be covering at the extravaganza on May 7th, but why don't we just kind of jump into this whole thing. Let's identify what flash fiction is, first of all, for our listeners. Flash fiction, you were doing a very good job describing it. I suppose you could say it's sort of attention deficit fiction. But really, you know, we have delivery methods now that we didn't have before. We can receive things via Twitter or Facebook or email or any number of other ways. So reading uh, bite-sized pieces of fiction is, is very doable. It sure works for me because I'm writing serial So flash fiction has developed as a very interesting subgenre where people are writing things that are even only a thousand words long that are a complete story. It's a very interesting challenge as a writer. I think Mm -hmm. what we do at the extravaganza will have people who are in this session write something complete. And it will have a life of its own. They might find interesting blog posts where they can post these. But they also may find that they've created something they really want to expand into a more full expression of that story. 
It really well, works know, either way. It, it works as an exercise, and mm-hmm. it even works as something that is a complete work. Well, I personally plan on being in your session because I want to. I love the idea of completing, a creating, and completing a, a story um, that I could push out. Maybe you know, maybe I need to edit. I certainly edit in that, but in forty-five minutes, I think that's very cool. And yeah. I, I think that that kind of exercise is actually critical for all of us um, to understand yeah. how to. You, you know, know, it's something we work with when we're journalists. You have when when you have a deadline. Deadline is serious. <laughs> if you don't have that story in, yeah. and the paper has to go to bed. That that story doesn't get printed. Exactly. So I yep. learned it from that. You know, it's a little bit shocking at first. It's like, well, can I have five more minutes? Nope, you can't. Mm-hmm. It's a very good and exercise. I, right, and I learned as a columnist myself, where I was a, uh, for the business journals, uh, ten years a columnist. I learned the beauty of a one-sentence paragraph and the beauty of a one-word sentence. And, and mm-hmm. I just didn't know I was flashing at that time. <laughs> you were. You were. You were flashing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so we've got it. We're, we're creating an element um, just for your own exercise. I'm telling everyone, if even if you think I'll never write fiction, as a nonfiction writer, learn how to to write fast. And I and I have another uh, writer friend who calls it writing from the heart. When you just let it go and just dump it out quickly, don't worry about spilling. Don't worry about it. Just get it out with a beginning, a middle, and an end. It is amazing how powerful that can be. So with that said, let's talk about some of these elements. Now you, let's just get into the very beginning where you talk about the whole premise. So Mara, let's deep dive into that. How would you define premise? Premise is one of my very favorite words and it's an interesting concept. I learned this from a fantastic book, which is called writing for the theater by Lajos Egri. So we often think in terms of theme, and if I asked you to think of a theme that interests you, it might be jealousy, it might be uh, going to war, it might be finding your true love. Well, those are themes. Premise is more specific. It has to be something actionable. Um, Here's an example. Most people, if you ask them, what is the premise of Romeo and Juliet, they will talk to you about theme, they'll say, well, true love doesn't work out very well, or family approval is important for long-term happiness, something like that. But the premise actually is that true love changes the world. Now, why is that the premise of Romeo and Juliet? It's because at the very beginning, you have two families feuding, and nothing stops the feuding, not banishment. And banishment was terribly serious. It meant probably starvation and death if you were banished from the city. So they try everything, and people won't stop feuding, fighting in the streets, killing each other. But when these two young people meet and secretly marry and experience the tragedy that they do, this wakes up the families, the parents. They come together at the very end and say, this has to stop. Ah, the action comes into play. The action. It has to be something actionable. So you take a theme that really interests you, and then uh-huh. you take it further. 
and you say, what is my statement about this? What do I believe about this? All right, so that 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 I think that's something to hold on to. We're going to go into our very first break here, but so a lot of people think a premise really is a theme. They think they're one and the same. So that's that's the break apart. And mm-hmm. so for listeners to understand, it has to have an action, which is going to be a consequence. It could be good, bad, ugly. Who knows what it is? Yeah, but lots sure. going to happen. All right, so with me is Mara Pearl. She's a best-selling author, an award-winning author of the Heart series, as I call them. What the Heart Knows is wonderful. Highly recommended. This is Judith Ryle. You're listening to Author You, your guide to book publishing. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Many of us have dreamed of writing a book. Some of us even have. Then the hard work starts. You'll need an editor. Who will design the cover or typeset the pages? Who will format the ebook? If you're a business owner, consultant, or coach with a serious message and expertise to share, the team of experts at 1106 Design can guide you through the maze. They've helped more than a thousand authors create top quality books and avoid the not so reputable self publishing companies. Learn more at 1106design.com. Then call Michelle at 602 866 3226 1106Design. Is there a book in you or another? Author You will show you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you'll find a supportive and brainstorming community that's connected and creative no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual author extravaganza held each May. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. The Resource, its online book publishing news magazine, is content-heavy and it's free. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author You is for you. If you're a hobbyist or a casual author, it's not. Join Author You today through its website at authoru.org. Follow Author You on Twitter at Author You and on Facebook at Author You, where timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted daily. Author You, where the author goes to become seriously successful. The Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. First impressions are everything in the world of book publishing. Whether your book is an ebook, a print version, or both, your book cover needs to pop, sizzle, and sparkle to immediately capture the attention of your audience. And your book's interior needs to be just as dynamic and reflect the professionalism your readers demand. Nick Selinger of NZ Graphics has won numerous national and international book awards for his cover designs and interior layouts. With over 20 years of experience in graphic design, he knows what it takes to create award-winning books and the many promotional pieces that authors need, such as posters, banners, postcards, one-sheets, business cards, logos, and more. Visit ncgraphics.com and see what authors and publishers have to say about their award-winning books 
and how NZ Graphics can make your book the success it was meant to be. That's nzgraphics.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. So fiction and nonfiction has beginning, middles, and ends. And my guest is Mara Pearl. We're talking about one of the unique uh, newcomers to the scene, and it's called flash fiction. You, Many of you have probably viewed YouTubes that have been passed around of all of a sudden a crowd is, is comes to action and comes to life, and all of a sudden little pieces, little components get added in until you have a full-blown orchestra making this glorious music or a dance and seeing well fiction um, and writing is much the same and flash fiction comes about very very quickly as Mara Pearl said that it really is for the attention deficit uh, of a lot of our population and it, it it's it's really it's uh, a beginning middle end in, in bite sizes so yeah. you can uh, really handle it extraordinarily quickly so Mara we're talking about premise and there's yes, I, there's only one thing I wanted to add about premise, which is it's it's so important. It's the core. You know, if the Earth were hollow, it actually wouldn't hold together. It wouldn't have gravity. It just wouldn't work. So in our storytelling, we have to figure out that solid core. What part of it is solid? What part of, part of it is molten? Um, so, and I have found through the years that if you're having a problem with an element of your story... The first place to look to solve your problem is to look back to the premise. If your story remains connected to the premise, this will start to clear everything up. Or you may not have really stated the premise very, very clearly to yourself. So you solve that, work on that, and you'll be amazed at how the whole story begins to sort of piece itself together very well. So give me an example. When you when you were working on, or anyway, you're working on a brand new, uh, your third one in the series, Why the Heart Keeps Secrets. Mm-hmm. So what would, what would be your premise? Can you do that in a, in a line for us? And I mean, I mean I'm, well, I'm, I would, thinking, I'm almost thinking I would, mapping is, you know, I'm, I do book mapping. And so I'm kind of thinking my head is working this way right now. Oh, that's exactly right. It is book mapping. Okay. Well, I think as I as I began to zero in on what that book was about, it, you know, it, but there are secrets that that we keep through our lives. Where do they come from? I think a lot of them happen in childhood. So I started looking back into the childhoods of each character to see what had molded and shaped them. Mm-hmm. So that was it was very interesting. And in earlier drafts. That was good. It was, you know, intriguing to me and some of my early readers to say, ooh, I, now that kind of makes sense. I see this is what happened to that character. Then I took it even deeper, though, and realized that one of the things that happens is we have things that we conceal. Sometimes we conceal from others. Sometimes we conceal from ourselves. But when I began to ask the why question, why do hearts keep secrets? 
Is it mm-hmm. in one case it might be embarrassment, in one case it might be fear, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. You work that out individually for each character. Mm-hmm. So the premise then begins to reveal itself. You begin to say, oh, okay, the premise of this book is that experiences in childhood lead us to keep secrets. Mm-hmm. Now I've got a working premise, and I can test that. I can take that as a litmus paper and stick it into each storyline and say, have I actually done that? Have I revealed to the reader that here's a character who experienced something that led them to feel that they had to keep this as a secret and answer those questions? It is such a marvelous tool. These are things that are going to be invisible to your reader. I mean, we don't walk around with our bones being visible, and yet if we didn't have our bone structure, none of the rest would work. So this is the writer working on the real bones of the story, the bone marrow almost of the story. Well, I love that analogy. And I think that when you, um, as someone who also loves movies, that when you see some of these uh, very intricate plots and and movies, that they really all have secrets. And Mm. where those Mm -hmm. secrets and you and you see these secrets start to unravel and pull together and i know that when i watch oh whether it's agatha christie um Mm -hmm. or some of the the uh other ones i see on the 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 uh 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 uh, public television series they do a lot of those kind of things and especially some of the british i think the british are great at this Um, they are great at this oh yes and and also i mean girl with the dragon tattoo Perfect. Swedish storytelling, right? Fantastic example. And things look one way until you start to reveal some of those secrets, and then you say things look different. You say, oh, I thought she was so weird, but now that I understand what happened to her earlier in her life, I understand why she behaves the way she does, and that is so intriguing. It is. So it goes back to the pre- the premise is. I, I love the idea. It's the backbone of what you have. Mm-hmm. And if you if your book doesn't have a solid premise with those actual items, your story is not going to stand up. It's not. And that's even. That's. I don't care if your novel's a thousand pages or if you're writing a thousand words in flash fiction. Mm-hmm. This is still true. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So in the in the next step, then we would tr- we would transition into uh, let's say we've got our premise. We think we have our premise together, and it's it's stuck yeah. there. All right. Where would we go next? I would say you could go to narrative voice. All right. Ex- and let's define as writers. We know we we have to arrive at, and this kind of has a couple of different meanings. One meaning is just the technical aspect of. Are you going to tell your story in first person, third person, maybe even in second person, which would be quite unusual. So first person, this is you talking as I. I went to the store. I saw what I was looking for. But when I came out, there was somebody lurking in the parking lot, and I didn't feel safe, so I went back inside and I made a phone call. Now, it's dramatic and it's intimate because you're right there. you got your reader by the hand. You're leading them step-by-step through what you, the protagonist, are experiencing. It can be limiting, though, because your reader can only know what you know. It's Mm -hmm. first person, so if you can't see something, neither can the reader. It's an interesting choice to make. 
you may change your mind as you're writing a story and realize, nope, nope, I can't do it that way. I got to do it this way. But worth considering. And sometimes when a story arrives in your head, it arrives with its voice. Now, third person, this is the omniscient perspective, where both you and your reader, you know everything, but your characters don't know everything. Now, this can set up wonderful tension, too, where you've got your reader saying to the character, no, no, don't go that way. You'll fall in the hole because you, the reader, you know, already know. That's, that can be good, too, and that can work if you've got a story with quite a number of characters and you really need to be able to see what each of them is doing. Mm-hmm. So that third person could be one of those that that they're they're starting they're so involved in the storyline and they're caught up with it they're beginning to anticipate what's coming or what's happening or maybe it's already occurred and they're seeing oh my god you're going down this path you're going to get nailed mm-hmm. here and it it creates a, a, like an oh my god moment don't do yeah this. which it can be very very powerful in storytelling all right now now there was a- an old vintage radio drama. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was The Shadow. Oh, it, I, re- I listened to The I, Shadow. Right? And isn't that the show where it was done in the second person? It would say, "Yeah, yes, Judith, you thought you knew what you were doing, but now you worry. You worry that John may have overheard that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so it sort of puts <laughs> you, the listener, on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. And I think it doesn't work in too many forms, but perhaps in a mystery story, that could be really strong. It could be great in flash fiction. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Um, it and, is and fun. That would, make, that would be great fun. All right. So with the narrative voice, um, is this something where that it's it, – it, it kind of ties in with the core? I mean, one of the things I think a lot of authors do make, they just jump in – and they really don't clearly define um, all the hiccups, the who, what, where, why, how um, uh, of each one of their internal uh, in the, in the storyline their characters have. And even oh, when that, I write, that is so true. Okay, because I, you know, I'm I'm primarily, I mean, I work with authors for fiction, but when I do my own writing, I'm a nonfiction writer, and that I've always been felt strongly that you've got to bring stories into your writing to support points. So I still have to get back to understand um, when I'm writing about, you know, Jenny did blah, blah, blah. I got to really understand where she's coming from. Um, and even, even I'll even want, you know, is she a drinker? Is she a smoker? Does she, does she go online dating? I mean, I've even thought about those, some of those things when I'm working on some of my own work that really you would think, what does that have to do with, you know, peanut butter on jelly? (laughs) Right. But you're right. The thing is that you want to develop really a very full profile for each character and you need to not only write each of them individual biographies, but Mm -hmm. you then need to place them in a pantheon. You need to place them in relation to each other so that you don't have two characters occupying the same emotional spot. All right. And with that, we're going to come right back. I was so engrossed in what we were talking about. I didn't hear the cue. All right. We'll be right back. It's all for you. My guest is Marl. 
your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Since 1987, Color House Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Color House to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing with Judith Bryles, we will provide you with discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com. With quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. When Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972, they believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers. Creating beautiful and well-made books, we're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing questions. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires more than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward. Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. If you want to be a seriously successful author, however you define success, it could be book sales, it could be money pouring in the bank, it could be the media calling you, it could be gigs from all over the world saying you are the number one expert we need to bring in, whatever it is in the definition of success. If you want to be seriously successful, you really want to come to Denver, Colorado, May 7th through 9th. It's the annual Author U experience. 
extravaganza where we bring in the best of the best, whether it's marketing pros, whether it's speaking pros, whether it's creating amazing storylines, the top uh, uh, tradespeople in printing and design and covers and other publishing services all will be in Denver, Colorado, May 7th through 9th. If you go to the authoru.org website, just click on events and you'll see the entire agenda open up. If you want to learn about email marketing, marketing strategies, how to have a system so your computer or laptop or your uh, airbook, whatever it is that you're using, rocks and rolls as you become a top influencer, we'll show you how. That's May 7th through 9th. Go to authoru.org, click on events, and join us now. The earlier Early bird pricing is on. All right. So, and then Mara is going to be one of our speakers. I'm going to actually end the program on Saturday on how to create a podcast, how to get sponsors, how to host your own show, and all those things. So, I'll be talking about that because I'm a huge believer in having your own radio show. With me today is Mara Pearl. She's the author of several books, award winning, best selling. I call it the Heart Series. The first one was What the Heart Knows. The next was Where the Heart Lives. And the third one, which will be coming out later this year, is Why the Heart Keeps Secrets. We're talking about fiction and storylines. We've been looking at the premise. Um, she's tap danced with the narrative voice. And really this new thing called flash fiction, which is bite-sized fiction done very quickly, short, like, you know, a thousand words or so. Um, but it's a beginning, middle, and end. And we're just going to open up on her third key factor in developing these type of stories. And that is what, Mara? Well, I would say character development. And, you know, it arose quite naturally because we found ourselves beginning to speak about characters. Mm -hmm. And we were saying it's important to define who they are, write a background, have some fun with that, where they were born and what their big influences have been. And then you place them as if you were, I don't know, perhaps working with a chessboard. You don't want to have three or four characters trying to occupy the same space. So you move them such that they're in opposition or in sync with one another. So this gives you a chance to express different kinds of things that you may have noticed. When I was first writing Milford Haven, it began as a radio drama, and I was dealing with environmental issues as part of my storylines. So I would have people on two sides of these issues, which made it very interesting for my listeners, certainly interesting for me doing the research. You know, so I would have an offshore oil platform, let's say, and those who believe this was very important for our country to establish oil independence and solidify our economy. And I also had characters who believed this was devastatingly dangerous for the environment, that oil spills could do you know, damage that could never be corrected over hundreds and thousands of years. So I was able to take two smart, interesting characters and place them in opposition over an issue. So there's character uh, defining, there's character positioning, and then finally you want character development. 
you ideally, what interests me at least as a writer and as a reader, is to watch a character move from point A to B to C to D, watch them grow, watch them deal with issues and how those issues change them, how they respond and how they grow and sometimes grow up, learn something very important. So when we take the journey with them, we feel, wow, I know more than I used to know. I might even be a better person because of this story. Mm-hmm. And then, and you know, I have to be. Um, we, we a common phrase that we often use now is uh, newsjacking. You know, when we're talking about for publicity for books and marketing books, mm-hmm. to take a common thing. So, when you're doing this, their character development, are you do, are you going in and really looking at the idea of uh, what's going on in the news because I've always said sometimes that some of the real 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 life like you couldn't even create some of the crazy stuff that people do in fiction <laughs> oh gosh that's so true I mean truth is stranger than fiction yes <laughs> you, you know what I have found um, if I'm really interested in something and I start delving into it usually there'll be some uncanny thing that will happen because I'm synchronizing myself with world thought and world events Mm-hmm. I've had uh, I had written, for example, uh, a tanker going to ground way before the Valdez accident happened some years ago, and I had somebody call me and he said, "Stop writing! You're making things happen." Oh, how funny! <laughs> but you know, when you're telling the truth, I mean, here's one of my little things that I often say at at, at writers' conferences. I think nonfiction is about facts, and fiction is about truth. Fiction is a very powerful lens that we can train on specific issues in life. And without being hung up exactly on the accuracy of this fact or that, we can get at an issue that might be difficult, sensitive, dangerous, whatever the case, and look at it with great depth. It's like having an electron microscope and placing it over an issue, and you see things you could never have seen otherwise. It's one of the great functions of story. Mm-hmm. And I think a great example of that is, I, I mean, I remember after 9-11 um, when Tom Clancy was all over the media as the expert on yes. terrorism. <laughs> yes, because he, he knew about it. He'd researched it and he'd been writing about it. In in depth, and I remember there was also a story, an interview with Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, where he he had uh, was at a, a function where Clancy was. He says, "How do you know all this stuff?" Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, yep. but that's that deep dive. That's that deep dive. It's that deep dive, right? And yeah, you know, I remember ta- I talked with Jane Fonda right after uh, China Syndrome came out, and mm-hmm. was asking her about what do you think about the synchronicity with Three Mile Island. And she said just what I said, that I really agreed with her. She said, if you're telling the truth, it's inevitable. You're going to be in sync. They were exposed, you know, that movie was exposing an issue about nuclear power. And no sooner had that been researched and being brought to light in fiction than there it was in nonfiction. Well, we see that we see that out on the the big screen today. You see that both in television and on on film. 
that all of a sudden there's a mirror. It's almost like this this mirror. And the reality is those shows weren't created. That movie wasn't created last month, last week, this morning as the news broke. Those were in development for quite a while. Right, right. So, yeah, so we're tapping into the realities of the times in which we live. Or we may be tapping into interesting times that were historical and get a fresh insight on something that happened during the Revolutionary War. Or we may develop a very keen insight about the future, about what is likely to happen, Mm -hmm. like interstellar. Exactly. Fascinating. I mean, I was. I thought. I think I need to see this again. I missed some. I missed some. Some of it. Oh yeah. I. There was a lot to it. I agree. Yeah, there was. All right. So we we have um, we have a, a few more elements, and I want to make sure that we cover them all because I think this one, the, your next point, is really critical, and yeah. that is the whole issue of what your 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 structure, the structure yeah. of the yep. story. Structure. Yeah. Scene structure. Especially in flash fiction, I want to say that going with the classic, very tight structure of a screenplay is a very good place to start. In writing a screenplay, you literally get to page 30, it's time for your first plot point and so forth. Well, what is a plot point? You literally, you would, let's say, take your pencil and draw a line from point A to point B. Now, the line that's going to go from B to C most likely will not continue in that same straight line. It will go off in a different direction. Mm -hmm. So a plot point is literally a point where the plot takes a different direction, and this is what brings unpredictability to your story. So your readers are pretty sure, oh, yeah, I know where these characters are heading. They're going right over here, and then whammo, they're not because something has happened and they have to respond to it. So it's very useful to plot these things out scene by scene, plot point to plot point, so that you know where your story is going to go. I know this may fly in the face of what we talked about earlier about letting it flow, Mm -hmm. but I will address that at the end of our session today, and I'll connect those two so that they really will make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plot points are wonderful. I mean, if you watch a television show and it goes to sometimes a commercial break, oh, plot point. And, I, and, uh-huh. and yeah, one of the classic examples I use because, you know, I, I did so much work in the healthcare field that and dealt with conflict resolution. And there was a classic example in ER. All my audience watched it and that uh, the head nurse in the ER was going to med school. And as she was getting ready, as, there, as the staff is getting ready to call it quits at the end of the day, she noticed they were leaving. And she says, where are you going? And they said, oh, we're going down to Charlie's to shoot pool. And she says, well, hold up, wait up. You know, I'd like to come. And they said to her, no, you're no longer one of us. And it went to break. And when we come back from break, I'll tell you the rest of the story. Is your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles? And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. The 
shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need The Book Shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Browse will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher or by a publishing service provider or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Bryles is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today, 303-885-2207. That's 303-885-2207 or email her at judith at bryles.com. By the way, Bryles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S. Follow Judith on Twitter at MyBookShepherd and on Facebook at TheBookShepherd. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. At Total Printing Systems, customer service is our priority. We are located in Southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years' experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from 1 to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR, perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based ebooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com. Welcome back your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask if you want to write and publish a book if you want to be successful as an author your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask is for you stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics scenarios and strategies on what to do now to get you published so let's get back to the show and here again is your host dr judith briles Best-selling author, award-winning author, Mara Pearl is with me today, and we're really talking about structuring, really structuring your work, your fiction. And we were using the example of flash fiction, which is the shorty method, the bite size, and we were going through the components. For example, you've got to have your premise, that narrative voice, your character development. We were talking about the story structure, and I was, I ended it with the point of an example I was giving of the plot, of your plot points, how, how critical they are, and from the old television series ER. And Nurse Carol had, was going to med school. She knows their staff's going off. She says, hey, gang, wait up. I'd like to go with you. And what they said is, no, basically you're not welcome because you are no longer 
one of us. You are going to become one of them. It goes to commercial break. When the commercial comes back, we're back online. Here's what happens. You can hear this background noise. We know we're in the pool hall. You hear that sound. You can even hear, you know, balls being hit um, on the tables. And then it turns. You see Carol walk in. She takes off her sweater. She drops it on a, a bar stool. She picks up a pool cue, a pool cue and she says to the nurses all watching her as she came in, she says, I really don't want to be a doctor. No one saw that coming. And that's exactly mm, no. what I was saying. No. no one expected her to say, I'm giving up my dream, what I've been working for all the years, because it's more important for me to be one of you instead of going for my own aspirations. Very well, that's thoughtful. a real plot point where something goes, the story goes off in a completely different direction. And those are very, very dramatic, very useful in storytelling. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we've got a, uh, we've got, you know, in our last about 10 minutes here. So dialogue, I know, is critical. Yes, it is. And so, you know, one thing dialogue has to do, you've got to embed lots of information in your dialogue and be very clever about it so that your reader doesn't feel that you're hitting them over the head with plot. My uh, editor and I call this the, as you know, Bob syndrome. <laughs> you never want to have uh, a character sit there and suddenly run out a whole bunch of, of plot line because it's, it's terribly boring. So you've oh. got to be clever about embedding your information. And you want to have your dialogue have two layers. You want the overt and you want the implied. And it's really called text and subtext. And this is very, very interesting. So, so how do we find subtext in the way people speak? Well, I'll give you three examples. It can come from long-time patterns between two people who know each other very well. They could be spouses. They could be business partners. They could be partners in crime. They could be cops together. Over time, they will have developed kind of a verbal shorthand. Mm -hmm. And either these words are endearing such that if it's spouses and somebody says marshmallow and immediately the other spouse smiles because they have a shared memory mm -hmm. or whatever the other person says is so maddening because you've heard it so many times and it's terribly irritating. Either way, this kind of behavior that's embedded in dialogue brings the characters very much alive. You believe them. You believe that they've spent a lot of time together, that they have shared experiences. And so here's another example. Subtext can come from secrets. So we're back to secrets again. So one character might know something that he or she cannot come right out and say overtly, but they can drop hints. So if they're spouses, for example, and the woman is trying to get the guy to realize that what he needs to do is go out and buy her flowers, but she doesn't want to say it because that'll, that'll spoil it. <laughs> so she might say, oh, what a lovely aroma. I think it might be coming from that flower shop. You know, something that's an implied suggestion, but not hitting them over the head with it. And another example where subtext can come from is misunderstanding. So two people who think they're really speaking the same language, but but they're not. <laughs> so I told someone recently that I was going to send her CDs. Well, I, I have an audio company, 
And what I meant was I was going to send finished, printed, professionally produced CDs. Whereas apparently what she thought was I'm going to go to Office Depot and pick up a package of blank CDs. So, yes, it was the same word, but in our two different contexts, it actually had two different meanings. That's a great tool in writing. You can look for those things because it involves your reader in trying to figure out what's going on and then to go, oh, I get it. They don't get it yet, but I do. And that Mm -hmm. is a powerful experience for your reader. Mm -hmm. And and so it's like you said that they don't see it coming, which – creates the pow in, exactly. in, in that. And you're going, yeah. whoa, whoa. Oh. <laughs> yes. And, you yeah. know, it's, it's, you, when, you, when you put um, treasures, I like to call them, you bury treasures in the dialogue, the dialogue just sparkles with richness. And you love reading those sentences because you're seeing things, you're hearing things, you're getting clues to who these people are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let me add this. I think it's really important for all our listeners to understand that in their writing, it's just critical to read other authors who are writing in your genre and, and oh, pay amen. attention. Yes to how they to how they put things together. And when you come across a sentence or a paragraph that is just I mean, it shines. And I've I've had those experiences where I, I've actually called friends and I said, I, I can I do you do you have like fifteen seconds? Can I just read <laughs> this to you? Um yeah. that it, that I, I, I think it's important to stop and figure out what did they do here? What kind of adjectives did they use? What kind of structure is involved here? Because the way you become a better writer is besides you just start writing, just start writing, is you need to study what the what the the great storytellers and writers are doing that allows them to connect and give those moments. It's it's I can't stress that enough. I so agree. You know, it's like deconstructing what is embedded in the code of what they've written. It's sort of the difference between there's a a drop of sterile water, may not have much in it, but a drop of seawater will have so many minerals and trace elements that will tell its history and its location. When our writing is richly layered and contains all that history, the more it's experienced, the more people can really taste it and really get something rich from it. Oh, that's like an amen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that, that so, those are the takeaways. So just start reading. Like, for example, I'll tell you, Mara, one of my favorite books was a nonfiction biography of a horse called Seabiscuit. I oh, love yes. I loved the writing. Actually, I lo- I, I I wasn't fond of uh, Laura Hildebrand's book uh, Unbroken. I you know I got tired of it, but I loved Sea Biscuit. Loved mm-hmm. Sea Biscuit. That it's I've actually read it a couple of times because her writing describing Big Red, this horse, was just phenomenal. Mm, lovely. Yes, those become treasures. Those when we find those passages or those stories. I mean, yes. I go back to Jane Austen and Marvel yeah. at how she created a moment of such tremendous confounding tension 
from apparently flowery language that we don't even use anymore. And yet there's some (laughs) distillation there that she communicates across time. Yeah, no question. All right, we have about two minutes left, so I know you have one final point. Okay, yeah, one final point really has to do with the arc of story, and this is sort of the overall shape of the whole thing. We've talked about these elements that we need to create, but we've also said an apparently contradictory thing, which is that you want to just write and let it flow. So here's an image for our listeners to take home. When you have a river, you have the water itself, and you also have the river bed. So all these structural elements that we were talking about are like structuring, creating, molding, and shaping your riverbed. Once you've done that, now you're ready to really let the water flow. And then you don't stop yourself, correct yourself, decide that you've just written something silly. You stay out of your own way and let that water flow. And it will go really where it should into this structure that you've prepared for it. And when you do that, you end up you you end up with a piece that number one rarely will you ever regret it. Rarely will you ever regret it. Um, whether you publish it right now, maybe not. But it, it or or it all of a sudden grows into something even greater and bigger you can even imagine, which I've seen happen, Mara, many times. The evolution. Same here. Mm-hmm. Yes. We do that. All right. So Mara Pearl will be speaking at the Author You Extravaganza. Wouldn't you love to have her as a mentor in your ear and guiding you along and creating an amazing piece of work within 45 minutes? It can happen. So go to authoryou.org, sign up, and put it together. Mara, thank you so much for being with me this past hour. I, I learned a lot. I had fun, and I hope, and I know, not hope, I know our listeners have put that all together. Oh, it's so my pleasure. I really appreciate it, too. There's nothing I enjoy talking about more than the story, and I always love talking with you. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. All right. Thanks for being with us. All right. So, everyone, go to authoryou.org. Click um, under the events. Look at the long list. We have a special, special uh, guest coming by the name of Jimmy Wayne, who has had over 100 million record spins. And he will be doing entertainment on Friday night and uh, evening with Jimmy Wayne. He will be singing and talking about his New York Times bestselling book, A Beautiful Walk. This is Judith Bryles. You're listening to Off You, your guide to publishing. We'll be back with you next week on amazing book marketing strategies. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Each week.